Welcome back to What's Your Bliss, part of the Anything But Credible Network. My name is Thomas Ragland, and I'm so delighted to be coming back to you another week. This week's guest is a musician, future therapist, and the host of the Friend Request podcast, Justin Lamb. Justin, welcome, and what's your bliss? Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I, lo I love this whole premise. And I'll tell you, my bliss, I thought a lot about this question, and my bliss is growth. And I like that because I can expand on it in so many ways. And and uh, I, I think, yeah, my one word simple answer would be growth. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's jump into it. Why growth? What what about growth spoke to you? And when you were thinking about bliss, how did you settle on that? So I, in some ways, I don't know if I have been happy the first 37 years of my life. And I'm 38. Um I, I really did a lot of work on myself uh, over this this pandemic, this lockdown. Um, you know, I think a lot of us were kind of forced to do that. And I'd already been doing therapy for a number of years. And I, I've really grown as a person. And in that, I mean, that is my favorite thing. That is, and watching that in other people, that's why I'm going down the road of becoming a therapist and why I'm going to school at 38 years old and starting yeah. a new program. Um because I like seeing that growth in other people as well. And then even on the musician side, I mean, I have, me and my buddy were AV nerds in high school. So we have recordings going back very, very far. And I, you want to talk about growth. I can, I can take you through, <laughs> you know, like improv Star Wars songs to uh, the stuff I've written over the last year that really reflects, uh, uh, you know, my mental health and my, my, where my mindset is now. And so it's, uh, I think the word is all encompassing in, in everything that I am going after and everything that really excites me. Yeah. Tell me about that satisfaction piece. I mean, it sounds like that was a, something that you were, you feel like maybe you didn't have or that you haven't had, and maybe that's, yeah. that's still a work in progress. What, what do you think it is about satisfaction, happiness, whatever that, that has eluded you? Um, looking for it in the wrong spot. And, and let me sure. elaborate on that. Cause that's my whole life, uh, was determined by external validation. Uh, you know, I, my parents divorced when I was four and then I, I was looking for my place, you know, and, and making jokes and making songs when I was just in elementary school, like, Oh, people are laughing. I'm getting this attention that I want. Yeah. And I, I realized, I didn't realize this till this last year, but like, that's when it clicked. And that's when, oh, I have something here. And I had a good voice, so I could use that. And so I did choir and stuff, which, you know, that's a double-edged sword that'll get you made fun of as well as like sure. uh, the other half of that. When with the choir crowd, they're like, oh, you sound really good. And like, yes, keep telling me these things. <laughs> right. So I, I mean, it started there and then it was, it just spiraled from there. Anything that gave me that other people's praise, because I could never say it for myself. I never assigned that value to myself. Um, I didn't feel worth anything. So mm -hmm. I was always seeking that from other people. And finally being able to say, like, I am valid. I do provide value for, for people in this world. And I am worth something. And I'm talented. And saying all that stuff, uh, not in a cocky manner, but in like a confident oh. and, and kind of self-love manner uh, for the first time in my life. It feels so great. And that, and that I think is where that happiness is, is being able to provide it for myself. It feels so much different than getting the happiness that other people give you. Cause it, it you know, it feels, that feels very surface, especially if it's external validation that you're seeking out. Cause you're essentially putting on a show to get that praise 
and you're not you're not being yourself in those moments um there's there's this thin veil of uh, the act you're putting on to get that back from other people so that's uh that was a huge realization for me i did that i don't know if you're familiar there's something called emdr which stands for yeah. eye yeah eye movement desensitization reprocessing i i always want to say something else for the r um <laughs> but I, I did that last year um and I did, I did six sessions and I, I was sobbing each one and I, I started like really handling shit and that can I, I'm sorry, can I swear on here? Yeah, well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it shows different. Um, yes. But I, I really started handling that in a way that I never had before. Uh, hmm. I, and I said to my therapist last year, I was like, why didn't we have this conversation five years ago? <laughs> She's like, you yeah. wouldn't have been able to have this conversation five years ago. You know, I'm, uh, I'm this month I'll be two years sober. And that has opened up a whole other world of God, everything Um, because alcohol, I mean, it numbs you emotionally, right? Like that's, that's a known fact. And obviously if you're an excessive drinker, then it does so even more, but you know, even one or two drinks a week can still have that effect. And uh, being, being able to kind of fully feel if that makes sense um, over the last couple of years has been really eye opening, And a, a lot of people that, so, you know, a lot of people are resistant to therapy, um, mm-hmm. which to those people, I say, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's, uh, it's, it's great. Cause the thing that I think sets me aside from other people when it comes to that is if I find something, like if I find something that's triggering me or a pain point or like, you know, something gets brought up and I start like feeling myself getting overwhelmed with emotion. I'm like, yes, let's, let's do this. Let's dive in here. Like I want to, I want to get to the bottom of this. Cause I mean, in the, in a kind of unhealthy way, I like, I'm reestablishing control over whatever that is. Sure. Um, but at the same time, I'm also like finding the root of whatever that is. And that's, that's my big thing. That's why I'm becoming a therapist is I love finding that root cause. Um, for why we behave the way we behave. I completely, uh, <laughs> I, I completely resonate with that. So I took a number of counseling classes um, and uh, did you know, my background, like I said, is in psychology. Originally I was in marketing and the thing I liked about marketing was getting to know people and, and getting to know what makes them tick. And uh, the thing I hated about marketing was everything else. So I said, you know, I'm going to be, uh, I'm, I'm going to be going into psychology and that, that really kind of, so I, I really resonate with like the finding the root cause and, yeah. and, and also I, I would echo the, the value of therapy, uh, which has been instrumental in my life throughout my life. Um, you mentioned therapy and you mentioned people being resistant. Was that something that you were resistant to initially? Um, no, I mean, if you say initially and mean it like as a kid, yes, I, uh, I went, you know, having divorced parents at four, you end up going to therapists. That's just kind of how that works. (laughs) Absolutely. And, uh, I hated it as a kid. I, I would make it my goal. I mean, I had a lot of anger in me. And so I would make it my goal to have that there. Like I wanted to break the therapist. <laughs> like that's, uh, I was, I was a nightmare in sessions. And it's like one of the reasons I was like, yes, I'm not going into child psychology. <laughs> <laughs> I know how they can be. Uh, yes. Yeah. So that, uh, uh, but as an adult, um, I, okay. I was, I was resistant at first cause I knew I had issues I wasn't dealing with. And I didn't want someone to tell me what those were. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. But then once, I mean, once that valve was open, I was like, yes, <laughs> weekly, <No>. please. 
now even my therapist is like, we don't have to meet as often as we do. I was like, sure we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> don't, don't cut me out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, um, I, I also resonate with the almost lying to your therapist. Right. And, and I want to say to everybody listening, don't lie to your therapist. You don't oh, have yeah. to lie to your therapist. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, work through your stuff. Yeah. I have a, I have a lot of friends that have told me, yeah, I just, you know, told her everything was fine. So I could stop seeing her. And I was like, why, 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 why did you do that? And I get, if you don't have the therapist, I like, if you're not clicking with your therapist, get a new therapist. Absolutely. Um, and that's, that's one of the things I was dealing with. Cause I first started seeing a therapist for sex addiction. We can make this a real long podcast, <laughs> but then, uh, I had, <laughs> I had certain criteria where I was like, okay, uh, it can't be a guy. Cause I have abandonment issues with my, my dad and everything. I'm not going to be comfortable talking to a guy about stuff. And Same. then it can't be an older person because, like, if I can't say cock, I'm going to censor myself. And if I'm censoring myself for a therapist, what the hell's the point anyway? Um, so I was like, okay, it needs to be a woman. It needs to be around my age. And then, like, once I did that, uh, it's been, you know, smooth sailing ever since. And I think that's huge. A lot of people come to me and ask me, like, how do I start therapy? How do I find a therapist? And those are the first two rules I give them. I was like, find the gender and age you're comfortable talking to and then kind of go from there. Um, yeah. No, I, I think you're hundred percent spot on there. I I've had one male therapist and I liked him for what we, what we did pursue, but majority of my uh, experience in therapy has been females around my yeah. age, because I think that that does, that is much more like, I'm going to open up more. I'm going to yeah. be more authentic. Um, so I uh, also resonate with that. Um, <laughs> I want to switch gears. If you don't mind to just talk sure. about the sobriety uh, piece and what, what led to that uh, two years. Congrats. That's awesome. Thanks. Um, and what, what kind of led to that? Um, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel like I got lucky. Um, I have in, in any other substance in my life, I've always had some level of self-awareness to be like, oh, I need to stop doing this now, or this is going to become a problem. Uh, and I, it was drilled into my head growing up, you know, your dad's an alcoholic, you know, like you're predisposed keep that in mind. And then like, I think until I was 17, I was like, of course, of course, of course, Ooh, alcohol. Um, and so that, uh, alcohol was a tricky one. Cause it just, uh, it's so normal in society. And so thinking of it as a problem, I mean, in my head, when I said I have a drinking problem to myself and never to anyone else, um, I was essentially saying like, oh, you're your father. And I was like, I don't want to be that. So I, I avoided the, the notion of it. Um, and then I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and got put on a prescription I couldn't drink on for five months. And so about two months into that, I was like, this is the longest I've gone without drinking. And then I was like, oh, wait, that's true for almost everybody. <laughs> like aside right. from women getting pregnant, you, the, the weird truth with alcohol is you start drinking at some point, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, whatever that looks like. And then you just never stop. Like it is this constant in your life. And it's so strange because it's literally uh, a poison. And <laughs> so that kind of blew my mind. And I was like, I'd gone longer, like without eating broccoli, but I still <laughs> drink. So it's, it, that was strange, but yeah. I was not prepared to say like, but it's not an issue for me, you know? And so during that five months, I was still stockpiling like barrel aged stouts and IPAs and all this stuff. And like the, when that five months was over, I started drinking all those. Cause at the time I was also running a beer podcast. Oh, okay. so, yeah. Uh, 
and I, I traveled for work. So I was using that to like go to different breweries around the country. And like, it sure. was, it was literally part of my life. And I, I remember, I remember it so vividly. It's so funny. If you asked me about any beer that I've ever drank, I couldn't like tell you a memory of drinking that beer, but yeah, there was a barrel aged Humaloo Palicious IPA that I had saved. And it was the first beer I drank after those five months. And I felt so bad. I felt mm -hmm. so guilty, shame. And I hadn't talked with anybody, my wife, anybody about how I felt about drinking and all the analysis I've been doing in my head. And, but you know, once it was gone, it was gone and I was kind of drunk and like, then that just proceeded to continue. And about six or seven months later, my levels went up again for my autoimmune disease and I had to go back on the prescription. And I was like, Oh, that sucks. Uh, I got a lot of stuff coming up. Like, can I pick a date to like go on it? And he's like, yeah, sure. Cause I had a vacation coming up and I had some, some work trips and a music festival. I had all the stuff. I was like, I'm going to drink at these things. Right. Um, and I, I, I did. And I went on vacation and uh, oddly enough, just like side note story. And I won't tell the whole story cause it, it literally is a long story, but I, the one sober event I did during that period was <laughs> I ended up driving Pauly Shore to Ohio and then hung out with the Foo Fighters. And because I was, <laughs> yeah, there's, I'll, I'll send you a link to the longer version of that story, but because I was driving, uh, celebrity randomly i was like i can't drink like i don't want to be the the guy that gets a dui with right uh, uh Polly shore Polly shore hanging out yeah um <laughs> and so like i remember every moment of that night like hanging out with the foo fighters and and like the other comedians i'm like what the hell's happening but awesome. the rest of that time i was drinking and i went on vacation and i got back from vacation and uh that was june 24th 2019 i quit drinking that day i went on the huh. medication i was only on it for a couple months that time and then I just didn't drink because uh, I'd put such a, a stigma on it. Well, rightfully so, in my mind. Um, right. You know, I I'll, I'll get off my soapbox soon. I promise. But <laughs> good. I ended up since I decided to go like down a mental health program in school. And my first class I took was a substance use disorder, alcohol use disorder class, and I did a whole presentation on alcohol because I was like, oh, I just quit drinking. I have all these thoughts about it, and the like just all the commonalities and all this all the stuff that they don't tell you i mean you look at every prescription drug commercial and it's always like this will cause you know diarrhea death vomiting blah blah and, you, and then you get a bottle of alcohol and it's like don't drink this if you're pregnant okay. you're like that that's it because <laughs> yeah. it also increases cancer heart disease like like all this other stuff and uh and all you get is like don't drink this if you're pregnant and i was like that seems irresponsible and then all the the dish towels like it's wine o'clock somewhere and like uh, it's just ingrained in society and right uh from a person that's very stubborn i was like no i'm gonna make this decision for me <laughs> you know <laughs> so yeah uh, i was really really on board with just like screw you guys uh you're you're making this decision for me that's not fair and also is terribly unhealthy for me and i mean the underlying stuff is when i was drinking any of the other work that I'd done on myself went out the window. Hmm. Uh, any, any uh, self-control, any compulsive behaviors, like that's like, I could be good all day long, few beers in out the window. And that added a whole other element of shame. So it was, it was the best decision I made. Uh, now I'm a big sobriety advocate and I still do the craft beer stuff because non-alcoholic craft beer has grown exponentially since that right. first time I quit. And 
now I like write reviews for it for this sober lifestyle magazine um, called the sober curator. And I am working at getting some laws changed here in my home state, Michigan, because they changed the distribution laws last year, which really cut down on how many non-alcoholic beers we can have into the state. Um, wow. So, yeah, there's a I, I really jumped on board with that. Yeah, that's that's truly amazing. And I think you you made some strong points around the not only the societal piece of that which yeah it's it's you're socialized into it every social gathering every movie every tv show you're going to see alcohol it's it's you know i i read an article a while back around um it was around women uh and alcohol use and how it's just uh like we ignore basically alcoholism in women because it's such a like hey we're getting together for brunch we're getting together for wine and and we really ignore like what like maybe some deeper pieces are because we are so socialized so like that is the acceptable thing um yeah. and it's weird you're weird if you're not drinking right yeah, like that's you're the, the weird strange one. part right <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is not the same with any other substance like yeah. every other substance it's like oh okay yeah that's that's your choice like wait what you, you're not doing <laughs> blow tonight that's right yeah like, weird why are you doing that uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what exactly. A weird guy. Yeah. Um yeah, so it, it's it's truly truly bizarre. Um my wife will love that Polly Shore uh story, so I'm very much looking forward to that. Um she loves Polly Shore. Uh it to to a to a concerning degree. Uh <laughs> um I, you know in thinking about you know you mentioned a little bit of just kind of the growth that you were able to have through the through kind of the pandemic. I'm yeah. curious if there was because of, of kind of the isolation and all of the other stuff that kind of came with that, was there ever a, uh, you know, it sounds like you said you're very stubborn, so maybe this isn't the case, but was there ever a like, man, this is really rough and this is like, this would be my normal coping mechanism to maybe go back to alcohol. Was there ever a kind of a temptation in that regard? Um, alcohol, no. And, and okay. I almost, it's funny because now I'm a member of so many sobriety groups that I almost feel guilty saying that because I don't, mm. I know a lot of people struggle with that when they, yeah. when they quit drinking. Um, and I mean, I can look to my left and I still have this stupid Costco bottle of tequila that's bigger in my head and mm. nobody drinks it. It just sits there. Yeah. Um, but no, I've never like the only time it wasn't during the pandemic. It was, it was like six months in it was last Christmas uh, is my family, both my family, my wife's family and my family came over. And that's when I was like, Ooh, I really want to drink. Cause you guys are driving me nuts. <laughs> but during the pandemic, no, um, my, my biggest struggles was really facing the coping mechanisms I had outside of that, uh, which goes circles back to that external validation. Tell me more about that. Like what, what was kind of the, the issue there? Yeah. I, when the pandemic started, like the rest of the world, I downloaded TikTok. Um, <laughs> and, Outside of that, I was also doing a Facebook live video every day playing music um, before, and I don't know, we'll have to check dates on this, but I'm pretty sure before John Krasinski did his some good news, I made a fake news <laughs> thing where I was telling people other stuff that was going on in the world. Yeah. Uh, and I, I realized like the second I was pub publishing this stuff, all I was doing was looking at the views, the likes, the comments, like I didn't care about anything else. Um, and I was like, Ooh, that doesn't seem like I was getting no joy out of the music. I was just like, I want how many, how many views can I get? How many likes can I get? How many? And that's the validation piece. That's where I was like, wow. Oh no. Uh, and so I stopped doing it because I recognized that. So I was like, I'm going to stop doing this, see how it feels. And then, uh, 
I really started facing it head on <laughs> and I brought up my therapist. I was like, this is what we're talking about now. <laughs> and, uh, that's, that's what I dove into. And, and that's when I, that was the first time I realized like, Oh, I don't like myself. <laughs> like right. I really don't like myself. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I started crying and was just broken. Cause I was like, what a realization to have 37 years old, like mm-hmm. shit, man. I always thought I was a, a piece of shit that wasn't worth anything. And that sucks. <laughs> that's, that's a shitty feeling. Yeah. And so. if the only validation you're getting is from that external validation, I mean, then your brain is just constantly saying you are not, you're not worth it. You are not this. You are, did yeah. you perseverate on the negative, on any negative comments or was it just, uh, was it just like seeking out the, the positive? You know, what's funny is I, and I don't mean this in any sort of cocky way, because I beat myself up enough for everybody, but I didn't get negative comments, um, which is great. That's great. It, it's, it's really is. I was doing a writing prompt a couple of weeks ago and it's like, it was like, tell us about like the mean people, you know, your critics. And I was like, I didn't, I don't really have that. Like people said the nicest shit to me. And especially yeah. as I got older, people that, you know, knew me from high school and stuff that would see me play live, they'd be like it's like, it's so inspiring to see you still out here doing this and not like in a, oh, I can't believe you're still out here doing this, but they would tell me like directly, like, you know, I I've given up on a lot of dreams of mine. And like, it's so cool to see that you're out here doing this. Like, yeah. And that, and those things would pump me up. Uh, and then like, you know, like a dopamine hit, I was like, okay, now I need more. Like that lasted five yeah. minutes. Someone else yeah. say something. To me. Uh, so I didn't get the negative criticism and I think I'm, I don't, disregard how amazing that is because i know people can be cruel and i think if i got bigger i'm sure i would have got plenty of it uh but i i'm fortunate enough to not get that and i think people were just kind of nice like i don't think i'm that great at all (laughs) (laughs) but you're working on it and that's i mean as a person i think i'm great (laughs) as a singer songwriter and guitarist i don't think i'm that great at all but uh but i i I found new purpose in that where like i play when i enjoy playing and what i enjoy playing and that's uh, great that's yeah that's all that really matters that's awesome i'm gonna take a quick pause because my child is waking up so give you one second (laughs) so we talked about kind of essentially learning to love yourself and i'm curious from that perspective like what we've talked about kind of how we got to that point but what have you worked on what are the things that you've been what are the the ways that you've worked on that and and tried to kind of gain that love for yourself yeah and it still feels weird to hear that um but it's uh it's i you know it's a daily practice um and it has been first and foremost, I think forgiving myself, um, an example I'll give that, you know, a lot of people don't understand. And I, I like to think some creatives understand, but I I've talked to some musicians myself and I just, I don't think they get it because I've, uh, I've always been identified as a musician and it's always been part of like who I am uh, for my, literally my whole life. And I realizing that I was doing a lot of it for other people, uh, I would, even when I didn't feel like playing guitar, I would pick up the guitar and play it because I felt like I kind of had to. And I let go of that this year. And since New Year's, I think I've picked up my guitar like four times. And any other year of my entire life, I would have really held that against me. (laughs) But I, instead, uh, I was like, no, you know, it's fine. If you feel like it, you can play it. If you don't, you don't have to. Like, I... I get into a lot of different creative endeavors and while doing them, 
it's almost not worth it because I beat myself up for not doing the other one. So instead of playing guitar, like I played a lot of piano and I wrote a lot and I started doing a lot more um, like podcast stuff and speaking stuff. And I was able to enjoy all of that because I wasn't feeling bad that I wasn't doing the other thing. I I think a lot of us, uh, especially, you know, in this country, we were obsessed with kind of always being busy and having full schedules and getting feeling, feeling bad about not doing one thing while doing the other. I mean, just saying that it sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but it's, I think it's such a, a relatable topic for people. And that's what was happening with me and my guitar and in a lot of other stuff. And so learning to forgive myself for those things and not assign that shame was like the first step um, to assigning value to myself and, and loving myself. And the thing that's kept me in check most recently is it's kind of silly, but it's, it's funny. There's an app called clubhouse. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a, so I'm on there constantly and I, I do my podcast stuff. So I'm in all these podcast rooms about marketing and guests and stuff. And then I also do my sobriety stuff. So I'm in sobriety rooms on there. And so one thing like pumps me up and like, try this new technique and blah, blah. And I've gone leaps and bounds with my podcast, getting advice from like the entrepreneur of our CEO. No, what's the editor in chief of entrepreneur magazine. (laughs) Um, And then just all these people, like you would never have access to in a normal day-to-day life or any other social media. Like I had a conversation with Dane cook randomly (laughs) and yeah, I'm I'm really thrown out comedians. I'm not, (laughs) no, I love it. I'm not in that club at all, but (laughs) Uh, and then on the back half of that, I'm in these sobriety rooms where we're all sharing our stories and it, it like keeps me kind of balanced. It's a weird thing, but so I, I have this newfound motivation where I'm going after things I'm actually passionate about and actually care about that are, that are giving me value and not mm. other people. And then I'm also uh, finding gratitude in, in some of my sobriety practices. So it's, it's been a nice balance. Uh, and I think that's the key word is finding that, that balance and, in life and being able to appreciate those things. When you talk about value, it also also, to me, it sounds like there's also almost a neutral value to the task or to like, you're not assigning previously. It sounds like you were assigning positive or negative value to completing a task, completing or completing something like, but it sounds like it's almost neutral because the value, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm misconstruing this, but it sounds like it's almost neutral because the value you're assigning is to yourself and you're doing things that bring you joy versus doing things because you felt like you have to. Um, well, I, I would say it, going back to the balance, like, I think it's a little of both. Um, sure. and just, you know, I mean, uh, you, you've got, you've got a family there, you know, some stuff you'd have to do because you have to do it. And uh, Absolutely. some stuff you do because it, uh, you know, it keeps you sane and it keeps you happy. And, and uh, I'm really trying to be better with mindfulness and, mm-hmm. and intentional actions. And, uh, you know, it's a long road. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think if it's tasks that I'm just throwing out on the floor and picking them, I'm picking them because they would bring me joy. Um, Yeah. So yeah, in that way, yes. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, And that makes sense. Like, I think what you said, like there, there are things that still need to be done and there are things in in that, that fit in that, that maybe don't uh, not even, not even necessarily bring us joy, but they are just like things we have to do to just keep moving along. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Tell me a little bit more about like 
gratitude and what how that's kind of played that role for you? Uh, so I have a therapist on my show every month to go over specific topics. And I was putting together this, this PDF for my Patreon members. That's like top five ways to keep your mental health in check. And I had a gratitude practice on there as one of them. And I sent over like a draft of it and she's like, can I edit stuff? I was like, yes, please do. Cause I guarantee you no more than me. Um, and she wrote this whole thing about, gratitude versus uh, self-validation and I'd never thought about the the separation of these two before but the way she said it you know gratitude is great if you're trying to like gain perspective um, if you're depressed uh, but self-validation if you have anxiety if you're insecure that would does worlds better than gratitude you know at the end of the day if I can say like oh you're good at this thing to myself, not someone else, but if I, um, and validate myself in that way, um, depending on where I'm at mentally, that can be way better for me than like, oh, I'm grateful for, you know, the roof over my head. Because uh, like a year ago, when I talk about, you know, I hated myself, right? It, it would have done leaps and bounds better for me to say what I'm good at or what I accomplished that day than it would have been to be grateful for something. Um, sure. Cause I needed that more than I needed the other thing. And now I'm at a point where the gratitude is, is, is a kind of a healthy practice for me. And what I do with that is really try to find the, the smallest thing um, or the, the thing that passed me by that I, other people do not get and not, you know, obviously I say obviously, but hopefully it's obviously, but like, yeah, the roof over my head, uh, my wife's health like these are the things yes i'm i'm very happy for these things i'm grateful for them but then i think like uh the listeners to my podcast uh the the messages i get um the person that like thanked me for helping her mend a relationship with her daughter like these little things that will happen throughout the day that i might be busy and gloss over or uh, you know they might just come in a couple pieces and I think about one of them and the other ones I, I don't put as much attention into. Those are the things that I try to pause at the end of the day and be like, yeah. I'm grateful for those things. Cause the, this, that stuff, uh, like I said before, when someone told me I was really good at something or I was like inspiring them cause I was playing music, it lasted five minutes and then it was gone. Right. And that's not gratitude. Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Um, so I try to take those and really just, hold on to them and let them fully absorb and, and truly appreciate them. And that's, that's the gratitude practice I try to have. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that has been a, a struggle for me as well. Um, and again, I think it goes back to that satisfaction piece, right? Like yeah. how, do, how can I be satisfied and, and just live kind of live in the moment too. I think that that's really hard uh, because people who are not satisfied are also typically very forward thinking, very future thinking. And so that makes it also very difficult to just like sit in that mindfulness and sit in that gratitude. Um, when you are thinking of just growth and uh, how that has has now brought you this, this bliss, are there, I, I guess you spoke a little bit about this with, with the gratitude piece, but when there are times where it feels like those old feelings are creeping up or something is going to stunt that growth, so to speak. Like, how do you, how do you work through that? 
That is the question. Um, <laughs> maybe I should ask your therapist. <laughs> I'll send you a number. Um, no, this is, this has come up recently. Like I'm, I'm in the last math class I will hopefully have to take in my college career. <laughs> and it is a statistics class and I have this giant to-do list it's right next to me, right here on this dry erase board. And I, I fill it out every Monday and that stats homework a couple weeks ago was on there and I just kept putting it off because I was like, oh, I got this podcast thing to do. I got this article to write and I just kept pushing the homework back. And then it was really late and I had to like do these three chapters and, and I, I fell right into the, the negative self-talk. Like I was beating myself up left and right. I'm so stupid. Why did I wait this long? Such a moron. Like I, <laughs> I talk a lot of shit about myself. Um, <laughs> and so in those moments, I have to remember like what the ultimate goal is here. I have to remember that the whole point of this is to forgive myself for the things that like I am unable to do or that I did wrong, that I just have to, you know, move past and not dwell in. And that it's challenging. <laughs> uh, sure. I, I think the taking the pause and being able to do that and it's, I mean, it wasn't in the moment. It was definitely after the fact, but it was, it was directly after the fact, you know, there was literally a time deadline on a lot of that stuff. And after it was done, I was like, you can't be that way towards yourself. <laughs> like, uh, I was really like, it was just high stress. It was affecting other stuff in my life. Um, and then I also like have a habit of shutting down previously. Mm -hmm. You know, if I get, if there's too much, I just, I'm just going to not do anything like turn on sure. Netflix. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I have to recognize those things. And then when I'm in those spots, uh, someone gave me great advice once that I, I don't know if you're an Enneagram person, but I'm a, mm -hmm. I'm an Enneagram four and we always like to do like a bunch of other stuff, but only if we feel like doing it. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so the advice I got was pick a task and go do it for five minutes. If you feel like continuing to do it, continue to do it. If you don't, then don't. And typically if you do those five minutes, you'll just keep going. Right. So that's the thing I try to remember too, is, is just, just go do it. Like I'll, I'll loosen up. I won't be as stressed out. I will definitely not be beating myself up over anything. Cause I'm actually doing something with my time. Um, so I think that answers your question or I branched off on four other. <laughs> no, it's great. No, that's, I, I, I very much appreciate that. And, um, and I know that my listeners will too. Like this is, I think it, we've we've been in a, a bit of a, uh, at least the last couple of episodes have really focused on um, some of that growth that you're able to do with yourself in order to also then grow with others. And yeah. so I think what you're talking about is kind of those pieces, but also I, I love the whiteboard. I, I think that that's like, that's something like in my, in my office when I'm back at work, like that I use that for everything because it does yeah. keep me on not, not just on task, but it reminds me of like, hey, these are things that are important. These are things that you have to spend that five minutes doing. Like yeah. you said, um, like those are all, those are all really, I think, valuable things. And I think they're valuable for not just uh, pr productivity, which we talked about is the, the problem in this country of, of kind of an over-focus on, on productivity versus like like humanity. Um, yeah. But it's, but for me, it just, it just helps me get into that mindset of like, these are things that even if they're not 
something that's interesting to me, they have to be done. So, yeah. um, and, and like you said, if I start them, because I'm a four also, if I start them, I'm going to do them and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, on, uh, on the note of just kind of community, so to speak, uh, what about support system? How has that played a role? I mean, obviously we talked about like divorce very young that, that caused yeah. as it would like trauma and, and all of that. But I'm curious now, like support system, like how has that played a role in, in just your personal growth? You know, that's a, that's a tough one. And that's one that I'm still, I'm still working with. Um, I've been with my wife. I mean, we've been married for seven years almost No, When did we get married? Yeah. Seven years. And, <laughs> but we've been together since Oh six. Uh, sure. and so we've kind of like started off both a little, <laughs> messed up and then just have, have kind of grown both individually and, and together, which I mean, that's the formula, right? So right. she's, uh, she's been a good support system, but the issue that I'm running into now, especially with stuff opening up is, uh, I'm a different person. Mm. I, I fully believe I am not the same person I was, uh, which sure you could say that existentially, like every single day, like I'm not the same person I was yesterday. Like, yeah, <laughs> sure. But, um, I'm like emotionally, mentally, psychologically, I'm not the same person I was right. 18 months ago. And so I'm starting to run into this thing where I'm essentially reintroducing myself to the friend group that I had, you know, uh, that I haven't really seen much of over the last year and a half. And right. so I, I don't know if I have a full grasp on my support system. I definitely have key people, um, Sure. I'm thankful because of the the field I'm going into and what I do with my podcast. Like I have, I have therapists that are my yeah. friends that I can reach out to. Yeah. I have uh, my sobriety groups that are, are really great for listening. And so I have the, the, the access to that stuff. And I think the best thing that I am doing is I'm not keeping that stuff in. Right. You know, because I, I'm telling myself the same thing I just told you, like I have these systems go talk to them like don't don't hold on to stuff um because that's what i did for you know two decades i sure. did stupid shit and i just left it in my head <laughs> and yeah. so yeah talking about stuff is uh has been my support system and, and using the the small groups that i have it's just really weighing on me what that's going to look like now getting back into uh the same group's friends and they knew me sober thankfully i don't have to deal with that as well but sure. uh yeah it's just yeah it's a new thing like hey i know we only had surface conversations before but let's talk about our feelings now. <laughs> let's go deep right now and i need to know you yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it's fine they still drink so i'll just get them drunk and then they'll talk to me there you go yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no i think that what you're saying and not just from uh i mean obviously there's the the pandemic piece of that um and 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 those things but just this idea of I, I agree. I actually, um, I, don't, I don't talk about this too often, but I, my wife and I have been together since 2003. Um, and, Congrats. but we were married and we got divorced and then we got remarried. Um, and I don't talk about that a lot, but I always joke about that being really a different person. Like that really, like that feels like yeah. it was a different person. And then like, I always refer to him as her ex-husband, you know what I mean? Because it's like that, that to me was so, it was such a different feel and so yeah. i totally again resonate with like this idea of not just existentially yes we can <laughs> we could say every day we're a new person but this idea of hey i am not that person i'm not into those things and then sometimes going around those friends it's like they want you to be 
that person or yeah. your family wants you to be that person. You're just like, that's just, that is somebody else. It really is like a completely different person. Yeah. It's, it's very strange. Um, I, I had friends that did that as well. Uh, and they, you know, they got together. I introduced them when they were 18 and, uh, so they barely lived out of the house for like six months and then they were together and then 10, 12 years later they got divorced and then they were divorced for a year or two and they got back together and they're still together today. But yeah, yeah I think that that time you get to be an individual, you're, you're going to change, especially right. if you were with that person. That person was part of your identity from an early age, you know, it's just, yeah. I'll flip no. this podcast around. You watch out. <laughs> That's right. We're <laughs> getting to buy stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of it. Uh, my therapist is on maternity leave, so I need someone to talk oh, to. Oh, no. <laughs> I've gone through that twice. I know your pain. <laughs> Me too. She, she has had, uh, my therapist has had a baby within six months of me having a baby twice. <laughs> so, oh, no. Okay. Yeah, we'll my, just, my therapist we'll promised happen. me after the last one, it was her last one. I was like, all right, <laughs> hold you to that. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, well, as we're kind of uh, wrapping uh, some stuff up here, I just have a, a couple last questions. Um, sure. The first one is just that role of control and and having control of your life and control of your choices what have you learned from that? Not just from sobriety, but just as you're on your journey of growth. You know, I don't know. I don't know if I've learned anything uh, as much as I, I recognize that control, I mean, is at the root of a lot of stuff. Um, and I don't want to generalize because everybody's experience is different, but um, that's, you know, I think that's why, and I didn't do 12 steps or anything like that, but I think yeah. there, there's a lot of, a lot to be said about, you know, the first step admitting that you don't have control over because, <laughs> cause that's relinquishing control over anything is, is scary. I think that's why a lot of people are like afraid to be in an airplane, right? Cause you have zero control of any outcome <laughs> in that scenario. Yeah. And uh, I guess what I've learned about myself as far as control goes is, uh, I, that I don't have it. Um, and, and to just kind of accept with grace, control the things you can and, you know, uh, release the things you can't. And that's, it, it's kind of stereotypical saying, but it, it, it fits, you know, it, if you're focused so much, I, the, <laughs> I'm going to branch off again. I'm sorry, but no, please. The thing that I'm currently, well, I'm working on two things right now. Um, but the thing that still like drives me nuts that I really want to dive into and find a source for that I have not been able to yet is uh, other drivers. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like that's uh, one thing, like the people that cut you off and stuff. And that's one thing, but, and then people that like park across two parking spaces and stuff, I will lose my freaking mind yeah. <laughs> and it drives me nuts. And uh, like, it, like really visceral. I want to, just destroy this person and I'm like where is this coming from and right. so I've been talking about it so much lately that I catch myself in it right before right. I go down that road so like I went to the grocery store yesterday and just coming around the turn of the parking lot I saw this guy was legit parked with the line between his car like in the middle of his car so he was in the middle of two spaces and I was like eh. and then I was like you're not even going to park in this area just let <laughs> it go and I just before I before I ramped up I was able to drop it down and that's one of those yeah. things where it's like I have zero control over that. No energy spent on that is going to change 
any part of it. Right. Like there's not, I'm not going to be some guy. It's not going to, you know, it's not a, a scene from a TV show or movie where I'm going to come up to that guy's window and be like, excuse me, sir. And he's gonna be like, <laughs> I, I need to change the way I've been living. Like that's not right. going to happen. Um, right. And the more I accept that, uh, both as a metaphor and realistically as, as, <laughs> as I, I'm happier. <laughs> that, that makes a lot of sense. It, but, and in your defense, uh, especially because i have a minivan now like you gotta leave me the room man you gotta let me get in there yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah i had a caravan for a long time i know that pain yeah (laughs) um usually the last thing that we the last question that i have uh specifically is just how what advice do you have for others who are trying to seek bliss through growth and and how you know and recognizing that not everything works for everybody but you know if you, if someone is struggling with that and struggling with with hey I, I i do need to find this joy i need to and i and i'm working on my my growth as a person like what advice do you have for them to to just kind of enhance that well i'd say other other than the generic find a therapist if you don't have one um <laughs> yeah cuz you know doing stuff on your own isn't going to work it didn't work the first how many years you've been alive it's not going <laughs> to all of a sudden start working now exactly uh and whether that you know a therapist or a yogi or whatever your your method is but um i would say lower your expectations for mm-hmm. you know i think a lot of people go into trying to change something about themselves with an idea of what that's going to look like on the other side and first there's no way of knowing that and second i think when you release (laughs) release that control uh of what you want that other person to look like uh you will end up kind of meeting the person that you actually become which sounds super cheesy and i hated when i said it but it's it's great but it's true um yeah because you can go into stuff you know i god i wanted to change into so many different people over the years and when i was just like I just don't want to be this anymore. And then just whatever that looks like afterwards, let's figure that out when it comes. Right. That's when it finally worked. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's excellent advice. And um, I know we had a couple of things that people might feel are cliches, but cliches are cliches for, a reason. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know, like they, they do. I think it is, I think it is important. And um I've just, I I've super enjoyed our time, Justin. And thank yeah, you so much. Me for, too. Um, I appreciate the vulnerability. I appreciate the, uh, the honesty and, and, and I appreciate all of the, 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 the branches as you called them. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's to me what makes this podcast and, uh, and I absolutely love it. But um, is there anything that you would like to promote? Well, yeah, I want to make sure everyone, um, please check out friend request. If when you're done with this episode, check out another episode of a podcast. Um, yeah, friend request with Justin Lamb. It's available everywhere. Um, like I said, I'm writing. If you're sober, I do non-alcoholic beer reviews for the Sober Curator at SoberCurator.com. And if you want to hear that Polly Shore story, my old podcast, Modern Beers and '90s Nostalgia, is still available, and that's episode 78. And that is a crazy story. <laughs> Well, I'm uh, looking forward to all of that. I'll make sure uh, stuff gets into the show notes as well. We'll make sure we promote that heavily. Uh, Again, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. And we'll see you all next time on What's Your Bliss. Thank you. You can find What's Your Bliss at anythingbutcredible.com and on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. Please follow on Twitter and Instagram at Your Bliss Pod and like What's Your Bliss on Facebook. 
If you have any questions for me, or if you'd like to be a guest or advertise on the podcast, please email me at yourblisspodcast at gmail.com. Please check out anythingbutcredible.com to find all the additional awesome content and podcasts, including Offended, Movie Merge, Going Off Topic, and of course, the Anything But Credible podcast. Podcast.